0: We're ready to rock then, aren't we, for uh, episode 10. Where did that go? Uh, I was going to say 10 weeks, 20 weeks. 20 weeks. um, Have flown by, haven't they?
1: (laughs) Again, this week's uh, Measuring Up podcast weather report, we started in uh, the icy blast of uh, Siberian freeze, and we're ending it in a a bit of a a meltdown, aren't we? It's uh, stiflingly hot
0: at the moment. Literally, even Newcastle's warm at the minute. Goodness me. And uh, I was just looking at the weather forecast, and apparently every part of the UK had hit thirty degrees yesterday. Glorious! Which is just unheard of in the UK. Yeah, it's, absolutely um, fantastic. Yeah, it's just gorgeous weather at the minute. Yeah, um, it, it is
1: absolutely beautiful. I've been, as ever, been out to the workshop early this morning, and it, it's just that perfect kind of fourteen, fifteen degrees at the moment. Clear blue skies, bright sunshine. Slightly fresh, just ever so slightly fresh, Uh, so not stiflingly hot or muggy, so it's just, well you know it's going to get sticky and horrible later, but you know, just now it's lovely The horse pipe bands will be kicking in soon uh, I'm going to say, yeah, as surely as, as night follows day, we'll get, uh, you know, shower with a friend or whatever to cut down on your water wastage, yeah. Uh, so how have you, have you been? You've you got your, your studio desk all up and running.
0: Yeah, studio desks are all, all done and dusted. What a difference. Honestly, just having a, a decent work area, um, it's just made a huge difference. And I've kind of used that time to really attack a lot of paperwork and online stuff that's been getting neglected over the last couple, couple of years, to be honest. Yeah. You know, there's so many things I I, I, I want to try and plough on with and get done before I start getting absorbed into another big project. Yes. Um, and so I'm ju- just gradually getting through loads of back-end stuff. It's really boring. Um, as I say, mainly web stuff, but YouTube stuff as well, you know, going through old... YouTube videos and yeah. there's videos out there some of them were not appropriate for my channel just in terms of they were a bit r- even too random for my channel because my channel's pretty random
1: <laughs> eclectic I think is the uh,
0: yeah word. but it it was um, there was a couple of videos on there that were just you know I kind of maybe I don't know, in the early days when you're just looking to get as much content out there as possible mm. and you, you put all sorts on. I mean, I've still got a few videos that I've left on, like me changing the brake bulb in my wife's Ford Fiesta, but they tend to do quite well, so I don't mind doing the odd thing like that. Yeah, bizarre, but- yeah.
1: I, I, I like that. I like it when, when guys have their first videos on. Jimmy Rest has got all his verse, first videos on. So right just after YouTube started. So you know you look at his his basement shop in, in New York and it really looks really spacious because he's got nothing in it <laughs> compared to what it was like when he left. You know, it's rammed full of stuff.
0: Oh I, I agree. I think it's fun to look back. It is. It is at, uh, at your first videos. I, I do always say to people, you know, don't don't delete your old content no matter how bad it is. Um it's all right pruning the old yeah. video just to get at your whole channel kind of in line but don't delete old videos just because you think they're not very good because you you're always going to think that in 2 years time we'll think that the videos that we're doing now aren't very good you know and it's you're always kind of pushing to the next level of youtubeness mm. and and production and yeah
1: well as as we said in the in the, the last uh, episode you know being being pushed to do better is not a bad thing, whether that's through competition or, or what you see on YouTube, what you see other people doing, or through your clients and designers pushing you to do to do better work. Um, it, it produces, you know, great content, great product, whether it's the furniture you're making or, or the videos. Um, yeah, it, it, it's not a bad thing, you know, doing doing better. It was one of the one of the topics of uh, of, of show topics, and maybe we'll we'll keep it for uh, for next season. Uh, about you know, improving, doing better.
0: Yeah, it's it's kind of that constant striving for perfection, but not well, that will l- drive you crazy. But p- pursuit of excellence, I think. Yeah, is, uh, n- not, is, not letting it yeah. get in the way of actually getting the job done. I think is uh, exactly exactly the yeah. key to it.
1: Yeah, talking of getting the job done. Uh, you put a midweek video out this week about uh, all your bits and pieces that you carry out. Uh, that you carry with you for carrying out uh, handyman-type jobs. I, I know you don't do much of that sort of stuff anymore, but it, it brought home just the the amount of stuff you need to carry with you for all those little incidental b- bits and pieces.
0: I was only putting up a couple of pictures. Mm. It was funny, after our, after our show last week, and you were saying that you were getting dragged off to, to put pictures up, and uh, and literally within, like, a day of that podcast going out one of my regular customers got in touch and said oh can you come and put some pictures up for us and say <laughs> like, oh go on to, I tried to say to, no genuinely I tried to say no and I couldn't do it yeah I, I just couldn't say and it's like okay, well you know I can I've got a bit of a I'm supposed to be doing paperwork and catching up on other stuff but uh-huh. Go on. It'll only take us a couple of hours, and and did it? And it did, and it yeah, it yeah. it didn't take long. It was like a bunch of pictures, but it was one of these awkward ones where it was a whole row of pictures that all had to be exactly the same height, and all of them had string on mm. on the back. So we're trying to get pictures exactly the same height when they've got string yeah. rather than kind of
1: a, a solid fixing. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But they were they were too small for any sort of solid uh, hook type thing on the back. And uh, but yeah, got got all that done, which I don't, I don't know. I quite enjoyed it. Yeah, I guess <laughs> it was a nice change from doing complicated yeah. stuff.
1: Yeah, it's it's it is quite nice to do something simple and straightforward sometimes. Yeah, uh, and, and to get it completed, you know, you're in. They're on the wall. Boom, you're done. Exactly. Whereas nothing, nothing hanging on, nothing hanging around. It's a, and you see the finished thing as well because so often with the stuff I make, it goes to goes off to be sprayed or whatever. And then it gets delivered to the end clients, and I never see it. You know, it's the, the last time I see it is a bit of unfinished MDF and uh, wrapped up in in brown paper, and <laughs> thrown into the back of somebody's van. You
0: know, exactly the same here. Um, the, there's kind of a vloggy video that I've kind of got half filmed. Um, do you remember when I was doing there was like an understairs stairs cupboard shop yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a few were coming on for must be a month or so ago and uh, I was hoping that they would send us some pictures of it all painted and I've been holding out doing the follow-up to that video until I get the final pictures of it. And I don't think they're going to materialise. It's like, I don't want to pester them too many times.
1: It is such a shame, isn't it?
0: But it could just be that they've not had time to paint it yet or because they're probably doing it themselves.
1: Or they could get you get you back with your superior roller technique oh. to uh, to do it. Now you've shown you can get spray quality finish from a roller, you know. <laughs> they're going to be all over you, man. I've
0: just got so many comments saying, oh, you should have sprayed it. Oh, you should have sprayed it. And it's like, well... There's, As you well know, there are trade-offs to, mm. to spraying. There are indeed. And yeah. um, for for smaller jobs, it's not really practical, and most people can't tell the difference unless you put them side by side, or they're specifically asking for a spray-painted finish, which is another whole... It's,
1: re- it's really interesting. I've just done, this, this week, I've done a, a, another banquette big box with sliding doors this time and birch ply. So I got that done last week. Uh, because of this weather, the, the lacquer wasn't drying very fast and I wanted to get you know, a good, solid, firm finish before I could get it delivered. Uh, so got that ready to go. I couldn't get in until Tuesday to, to deliver and install that. Um, so Monday afternoon, I got all that out of the way. It was all, let it dry nice and firm over the weekend, uh, and got that wrapped up, ready for delivery, got that out of the way. And for the rest of the day, I've had a, a silly little job. I've got three kitchen cabinet doors and a bit of toe board to replace. Uh, I painted a kitchen and did a low-level kitchen refurb for somebody about five years ago. And around the sink, it just gets a bit battered and bruised because they're not the most careful of people. So they, I went and had a look. I said, look, you know, those doors are too far gone. I can do something with those, but these, these ones need replacing. And we'll take out that section. We'll put a different toe board in there and all that sort of stuff. So I had three little doors and a bit of tow board to do, and that's that's the classic spraying dilemma. You know, it's just that kind of silly little job. Is it worth setting up the sprayer to do that? And this is why I got the one I did, to be honest, because, because it is, And again, we're jumping the gun a little bit. There will be a video out on this, but basically from a standing start, and I'm I'm not really fully set up for this Yeah, even after four months you know i've cranked the the big job out and doing what i needed to do uh but even even with the very rudimentary kind of ramshackle spray booth i've got it took me less than five minutes to set up and it took me less than 10 minutes to spray three doors and a tow board. I mean, it's so fast. It is so quick. What about clean up and stuff afterwards? So Cleanup was next to nothing. Uh, again, uh, the, that particular gun is very fast. You just kind of rinse it through with three three pots of water.
0: So you literally just kind of empty the pot of paint,
1: clean it out. Don't even do that. Just the, they they have what's called a flex liner. Uh, so it's a squishy squishy little pot which is semi disposable. You know. You know, I, I just keep the if it's something like primer, I keep that paint in it. Or if it's a paint I I use a lot, just put a rubber glove over the top, latex glove or whatever, and that'll stay active for as long as it's as long as it's good.
0: Ah, uh, right, right. And, and that then is, you can
1: just pop that back in. Just rinse the gun through with water. How do you get the water into the gun then?
0: Do you have another pot that you put the water
1: in? Yeah, th- I mean these are these are less than a pound each. though. you buy them by the pack of twenty five and just. As I say, they're sort of semi-disposable. Clever. So you just got another one with with just with water in, and then in the final rinse, you put a bit of uh, fabric softener in. No, it's uh, a pump pump guard, <laughs> uh, 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 and that stays in and just protects the pump. Um, Because obviously the pump is the is the most important part of these little guns.
0: What is that? Some sort of oil, or what? It's just some sort of lubricant.
1: Uh, You know, I don't don't even know what it is. Look, looks like antifreeze to be honest, but uh, yeah, it's some it's some kind of protective coating.
0: I must admit, I mean, I am very tempted, and I keep on thinking, could I come up with some sort of way of putting some sort of screen around the whole sides of my. Like a giant shower screen. Mm.
1: Well, stay tuned, because there'll be a video out before too long about a portable spray booth and possible filtration as well. And, uh, we'll, you know, it's a, the, the story is not over yet. Yeah, I mean, in the comments I've had loads of people say, oh, you know, take it outside, do a, you know, all the usual stuff. One guy said he has uh, a shower track, shower curtain, rail, running around at ceiling height, and he just sort of pulls a shower curtain around, which is actually quite a clever
0: idea. I do like the sound of that, because... Um yeah, there's there's definitely pros and cons, but if if you can get stuff up and running that quickly.
1: Absolutely. And just to follow on from that, these doors had to be hand painted in the end, rollered, because that was the finish on the original kitchen. And and as much as my hand finishing is, you know, pretty good, uh the spray finish is so much better.
0: But I was gonna say often you do have to match it to what's already there. And if you've got three doors that are immaculately spray painted next to doors that are rollered, you are going to notice the difference. Uh, it's a different finish. It it is a different finish.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, in, in those situations, you you would you, you would hand finish it. Um, but you can spray prime it. Yeah, you know, spray primer was literally ten minutes less less. Um, so yeah. Also, the the overspray seems to be much more contained. I, I when I when I did the gave the gun a full clean down. I changed, I actually pulled the whole nozzle assembly off and there was an awful lot of paint around the inside. Ah. Uh, So I think, I don't think it's been sealing properly. There's a little rubber seal on the inside, which is where the tip connects to it. So I don't think that was sealing properly. I didn't, pretty sure I didn't touch that. All I did was turn it from, you know, vertical spray pattern to horizontal occasionally. Um, so I, I think it's not being connected right, which which might explain why I've been getting much more overspray than than other people seem to suggest. Uh, you know, the story's not done yet. Uh, however, I am going to run. No, I'm going to finish this series fairly soon because I think it's running on a bit, uh, and I'm, and we'll come back to the you know uh, uh, semi's uh, permanent spray booth at a, at a later video. We'll get this job done because you know the videos are, are, are coming through on a weekly basis and, and at the end of it i'll do a quick review of the of the graco my opinions of it uh, uh and then later on later in the year i'll do a uh, i'll do a comparison between the graco and a couple of cheaper sprayers uh, and also a, a, a little I've, yeah i've got it's all up in my head i know exactly what i want to do as a as a temporary spray booth as a a, a collapsible uh spray booth yeah
0: I am looking forward to that. Um, as I say, I would love to be set up for spraying, um, but I think if I'm going to do it, I want something that's going to be a permanent solution, if you know what I mean. So something that isn't temporarily putting up cloths and taking them down and, and stuff, which I know you've had to do that for this job. Neither of us have the space to have a permanent solution, unfortunately. No, but by a permanent solution, I mean like a track that that is... Permanently mounted in the ceiling, or, or something like that. Right, or, yeah, I'm working on a
1: collapsible or fold-up booth that is big enough to take a, you know, an eight-foot length of whatever.
0: Yeah. So, because there's a, a number of ways you could do it, isn't there? You could yeah. have something that somehow comes up from the floor and rollers down. Oh, uh, yeah. full James Bond! Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Some yeah. sort of motorized system.
1: You're getting carried away. Yeah. Andy. I've,
0: I've yeah. thought of all of these. Some sort of motorized partition that, that comes down the workshop.
1: Yes, that'd be cool. Or or just, you know, <laughs> have a separate space would be nice, wouldn't it?
0: Well, that would be great. I'm, I'm wondering as well in terms of air filtration, would my dust air cleaner be any good for spraying? or Possibly. Um,
1: The, the, the problem is that obviously paint particles are going to clog the filter faster, so you might need an extra... An extra f- wraparound filter around it,
0: and presumably they're going to clog the filter and be very hard to get out the filter as well. That's... Uh, impossible. Yeah, yeah, it's
1: a, it's the the filters become disposable. But uh paint booth filter, you can buy it on eBay by the meter.
0: So I could probably just wrap that around it while spraying, and and that would probably do it.
1: The, the problem that I've had, and and the, one of the things that came up in the comments that a lot of people have said is that it's actually entirely possible that you know against some very high readings uh, on my air quality uh, monitor uh, and it's possible that the, the the spray itself is actually just kicking up dust in the air and of course if uh, you know can't can't say it, it doesn't measure just paint particles it measures the air quality um i i i think it was fairly contained so i don't think that's a problem but of course if you've got a fan at either end of this booth you know Pushing air out that may well kick dust up into the air, which again is the last the last thing you need. You really need to be extracting the air out of that room into somewhere else, filtering it along the way, and that's going to be the challenge. For as, me. as
0: we've said before, sometimes yeah. the act of just walking into the workshop can throw it past the past the one thousand mark. On uh, you know,
1: absolutely, it does. It does. In fact, I've been doing using my table saw a lot uh, in the last couple of days, uh, which is unusual for me. Uh, and that's terrible for for dust. Dust collection is shocking on that. And uh, yeah, we're getting very high base levels at the moment, so I've really got to let everything settle down and then just Hoover everything out.
0: Yeah, well, that's on my to-do list as well. I need to give my workshop a proper deep clean. It hasn't it hasn't had a a, a deep clean for probably six months or so, and and there's just dust in places where you know you've just got to move everything yeah. to get to it's it. Just and... everywhere, just everywhere. Yeah. yeah. The challenges of dust in a workshop, but uh, absolutely, that's why we we'll love it. So my banquet was interesting. Yeah. So are you all done on on the? It's a big job, completely, completely uh, finished.
1: Uh, more or less. Yeah. I've got a. Uh, yeah. I, I managed to leave a rail bag, you know, my festival rails behind. Oh. Uh, so I've got to pop over there this afternoon to get that. You know, a two-hour pop. Um. I've got a kitchen door to change, which won't be until later in the year end of July, beginning of August. Uh, And that's it for now. Then there might be some other, some painting later on uh, stuff. They, they shelved because of time pressures, but yeah, essentially it's done.
0: Fantastic.
1: Done and got the money as, as my granddad used to say. When, Um, when are
0: we going to see some, I'm dying
1: to see some pictures of the finished job, the the finished job. I've I've put a few snippets up on Instagram. Uh, If you follow me on Instagram at 10 minute workshop, you'll see some of those and the install videos, uh, I've got a video coming up today of the final build of the big shelves so I've got a cabinet build next week and then we get into the installs and I haven't got a huge amount to show but there's a few little video snippets plus there'll be photos of the of the finished uh, the finished job so yeah it's all uh, it's all it looked fantastic
0: I've got to say it looked really good I'm looking forward to seeing it looking forward to seeing it
1: so anyway this the, the this birch ply bunkette was was an interesting one sliding doors uh all all uh, clear lacquer birch ply, so really nice. Nice to do a bit of plywood instead of MDF. Uh, uh, but I, it was a. It's not huge. It was a eight foot long, twenty four forty, about seven hundred deep, four sixty or so high, on a low plinth. But it's in a basement kitchen. It's going under the stairs, and it's too big to. Too big and too heavy to to manhandle in, so I had to go in flat, and I use the relatively new domino connectors for this uh the, the bottom you could domino in and screw from underneath but the top section um had to be you yeah, un, know un, unmarred and i didn't want to get into gluing and clamping this thing uh, uh so i use these uh, the domino connectors I've, I've had them for a while there'll be a video out on those in due course again i wanted to do a sort of a, a deeper dive rather than a i just got the box here's what's in it kind of thing because um, they're, they're interesting. Uh, they're, they've been out for... It's a, it's a knockdown fixing, basically. Uh, and these have been out for the bigger Domino for a while and they've just introduced them for the smaller DF500. Uh, uh, and they worked extremely well for, for the banquette. I used them in on the big job as well for a laundry room and they, weren't, they didn't quite do what I wanted to, wanted them to on that job. Uh, they were fine. It worked. I don't know if you get into this, but sometimes you have to build something into a very tight space, and you've got to construct it within the space. So there's there's no flex. You can't move the sides of the carcass out of the way to get a screw in there or anything like that. You've got to, you know, offer the the top of the carcass up. And then fix it in somehow. Now these the domino connectors are the 25 mil long. They have a 25 mil metal spike, if you like, that sticks out of one side. That goes into a slot on the other, and you screw a thing up into them. Uh, it's it's much more obvious when you see it. My poor explanation. But basically, you need you still need at least 25 mil of of travel, of flex in the carcass to be able to get these things connected. So they didn't quite do what well. I was doing. Some stuff in a laundry room, and it was the space was tight, and didn't quite do what I what I wanted there. Um, so if you're doing that, then the, uh, the Lamello make a a, uh, a fancy biscuit jointer called the Zeta Zeta P, and there's a fixing called a Clamex, which does that. You can you can offer it up, absolutely flush against the carcass sides. F- yeah, flick a switch effectively, and and it. Locks in place, very clever, very neat. Comes at, comes at a price, as you as you might imagine with Lamello. Um, but the domino connectors worked extremely well. The, the downside of them is that they're, they're quite expensive, uh, and they you need to be you need to be quite accurate with them. You've got about half a mil of uh, of wiggle room, and I had a grid of sixteen of these <laughs> spread over a twenty four forty by seven hundred uh, 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 array. Uh, and much to my surprise, they went in absolutely perfectly. They they all slotted together.
0: Oh, well, there you go. Wouldn't wouldn't doubt it for a second, Peter. Absolutely fantastic. It's the easiest
1: build, the easiest install I've done for a long time.
0: And I gather that would mean you can completely flat pack it and then just build it on site. Yep. Or...
1: Yeah, uh, and you can dry fit it. To a finished standard as well, completely without
0: clamps or anything. So interestingly, my video on Saturday is all about insert uh nuts. Ah. Threaded inserts. So okay. my, I'm doing a little yeah. tips video about that because I needed them for my studio desk and I thought, oh that'll make a useful little video and there's hardly any videos out there about how to use them.
1: Interesting, okay.
0: A different league to the sort of festool knockdown fixings and some of the other fancier fixings that are out there, but still useful yeah. fixings to have. And I, I don't see many people actually using knockdown fixings at all on the projects on YouTube. You hardly ever see people use yeah. knockdowns. It's all glued and screwed and nailed and, mm. and all sorts. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of advantages to going down down that route. Yeah.
1: And, and, again, it's mostly for ease of construction that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be taken apart yeah. and moved. It's for, uh, yeah, the convenience of uh, of... Putting stuff together, um, yeah, I was, uh, yeah, you know, quite impressed by the Domino Domino Connect. There's a, there's another one out there called Domino Fix, which is a third party fixing, which seems interesting. Um, I mean, the neither of them are cheap. Uh, the Domino connectors, each fixing, so to to connect a, a an L type fixing, so a you know a, a carcass top to a side, uh, is about one pound sixty. Uh, Bag of, bag of fifty costs eighty quid. So yeah, quite quite expensive per per fitting, and there were there were sixteen in <laughs> in this bunket. So uh, twenty twenty five odd quid's worth, or twenty six pounds worth of fixings. Which you know, in the cost of the overall job, is neither here nor there. But I'm not going to be using them on on, on every uh, on every job. That's for sure.
0: A nice, it's a nice option to have though, and uh, a nice op- option to kind of having you cool kit and
1: absolutely and the kit is very good as with all these things if you buy the the starter kit you get a bit of everything which means you get a bit of things that you're not going to really want or not use uh but overall it's it's pretty good uh the kit itself is about 300 quid so not not cheap but um uh but it's got everything you need in there it's got you know all the all the bits and pieces so yeah you know overall reasonably good value for money uh, and certainly they they do the job. The only downside with them you get quite a large hole that you need to fill the domino fix and the and the lamello knockdown fixings. you just get a six mil little hole to fill, whereas on the the domino connect uh, connectors, I think it's about something like twelve or fourteen mil
0: little cap that you have to cover everything in life is a compromise. yeah, exactly pros and cons, isn't it? Yeah. So we're at season uh, season one episode ten. We're at the not quite end of an era, but end of a season. Yeah, and end of
1: season, blimey! And um, yeah, but that's flown it, flown by. Oh, well, it's flown by for me. I might have crawled for you. It's probably crawled for the for the viewers for the listeners. Isn't it? Absolutely
0: <laughs> flown by. It's been it's been fantastic, and yeah, twenty, 20 weeks. It's it's unbelievable how yeah. how quickly that that passes. I think it's a good opportunity to just say thank you to everyone for the support and the feedback that we've received over these 20 weeks. It's just absolutely, I think, blown both of us away. I just couldn't have imagined.
1: Absolutely amazing. Yeah, we, we you know, we didn't start this to get praise uh, and nobody asked us to start this. This is just a, you know, it's something we've both wanted to do for a while, but, you know, didn't have anybody to do it with and here we are, we found each other. And uh, uh, I, I'm delighted with, with the, the way it's gone. Uh, I really enjoy the conversation. It looks like other people do too. Uh, I think I, I looked last night, 99 five-star reviews on iTunes. I
0: noticed that. It was 98 the last time I looked, but uh, there's a very reasonable chance that by the time this show actually goes out that it'll have hit the 100 mark which is just blowing us away we've we've got 27 patrons on patreon now which is just absolutely amazing we'll talk a bit more about that later on but just yeah absolutely fantastic stuff and i think the general conclusion is we will be doing a season two no matter what because we want to do a season two. So. Absolutely.
1: I mean, we we, we enjoy the conversation uh, and I would like to continue it. And if we're going to continue it, then hey, we might as well record it. Exactly. <laughs> uh, maybe we need to cut down on, on the editing. And uh, if it's not abundantly clear, Andy spends an awful lot of time editing the show uh, to make us sound much more conversational than we actually are. <laughs> um, uh, uh, uh,
0: and that's a tremendous amount of work.
1: Um, partly because you are a bit of a control freak. Let's be let's be
0: honest. <laughs> I'm a total control freak. It was it was uh, yeah? It was a kind of st- stipulation from day one that okay, uh, it'll be awesome to do the podcast, but. Um, trust me if you end up editing it I'm gonna be coming back every two seconds can you just change that a little bit yeah. uh, no so I thought you, oh I said <clears throat> yes I thought no 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 let's just hand all over that handle all that stuff over to you more than more than happy to do that so um but I thought uh, well in fact well, I think you might have mentioned that it might be an interesting thing to talk about what's involved in making a podcast
1: yeah I mean I don't know about you but I've had a few questions from people who say, "Oh, I'd love to do a podcast, but don't really know where to start, and I don't know, I don't know where I'll find the time." Uh, uh, and again, just as a as an aside, not to sound like one of those gruesome motivational posters that you see in sort of corporate offices, nobody finds the time. You've got to make the time <laughs> to do this. Yeah. <laughs> whether it's a YouTube channel or whether it's your podcast or or whether it's uh, you know hobby woodworking, you've got to make time for this. Um, uh, so yeah, what's what's involved, in Andy? How, how do you, how do you make your podcasts? And I'll tell you how I make mine. <laughs>
0: uh, I mean, when when we first started this out, the the very first thing that we did, uh, ignoring all of the technical, I'll not go into setting up hosting accounts and all that sort of thing, because you you know we could spend five podcasts just talking about that there's many podcasts and youtube channels out there telling you how to do all the technical stuff but I, i'll keep it fairly high level i mean the the first thing that we did is we we set up a 20-week schedule mm. for when we were going to record and publish every episode because uh, the First thing is, is when you're doing a podcast, it needs to be regular. Yeah. You know, you you need people to know, yeah, it's coming out on a Monday morning every two weeks. And you, what whatever the schedule is, you've, you've got to stick to that no matter what. Same with YouTube, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and once we decided on what that schedule was going to be, we then had to work out, okay, when are we going to record every episode? And we, we literally worked out the full 20-week Schedule for recording and release, yep. and that that has to allow the the time for us to actually just chat to each other, the time for editing, the time for doing all the other behind the scenes stuff, and then the time for when it actually gets released at eight o'clock on a six o'clock. Sorry, no, it's four o'clock on a on a mon- Monday morning. Is it? Um, I think I moved it forward to.
1: I think I think you moved it to six, but around there,
0: I can't remember. Maybe it's six o'clock. Anyway, Monday morning.
1: <laughs> and uh, it's probably worth mentioning as well that, you know, although it, it ends up an hour-ish, <clears throat> ish, um, uh, we, you know, we spend uh, two to three hours chatting on a, on a Friday morning or whenever uh, to actually record this, uh, at least half of which is trying to get Skype to work, but that's <laughs> neither here nor there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: And, and that's another whole... A whole story but uh but yeah the the actual recording of us just chatting you might as well say a good two hours probably you might as well just say the a morning is yeah. is pretty much gone because by the time you've finished and got yourself sorted out it's pretty much lunch
1: i i can't get to a job on a friday morning before midday basically or on, a, on a friday morning that we're yeah, recording
0: exactly so the, the tech stuff that has to be sorted out beforehand is things like your your podcast hosting, your website hosting, because that's um, a different thing. Uh, a YouTube channel for the podcast. W- might talk about that um, later on. Domains, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Yeah, lots of social accounts to, to, to sort out and, and maintain. All the gear that you need in terms of your, your mics and recording setup. um, uh, doing all of your um, branding and and graphics, which Peter's done all that side of thing, uh, uh, all all that side of things for the the podcast and done an awesome job. Coming up with a name as well, you know, got to have a name. Yes, yes, name. yes. You you had a good idea for a name, and I was like, "Yep, champion, that will do." do. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so this that's all kind of the behind the scenes stuff that you you don't get to to see, and that took you know. Probably a couple of weeks of work to, to get all that side of things up and running. It, it wasn't a huge amount of work. Yeah. Um. Each little bit maybe only takes half an hour, an hour, you know, but there's a lot of it. But
1: half an hour here, half an hour there, or an hour there. We're trying to fit this in around the reg- regular work that we're doing as well. Yeah. It all adds up, and, yeah, you know, it, d- it does take time. A lot of people get hung up and caught up in the actual physical recording, the, the gear that you're using um whereas there's so much so that's the easy bit you know there's so much more to it than than that so much more
0: going on behind the scenes i would say the the one bit that's we've not had to think about at all is the gear because you yeah. you already had a decent mic i already had a decent mic we were both already set up to do recording and generally other than skype not be, behaving itself um the recording side of things is pretty straightforward. Yeah. What we do, by the way, because a lot of people have said, oh, can can we video it? And it's like, well, Peter's in London. I'm in, Newcastle, we're at opposite ends of the country to each other, and we record each end independently, and then part of the editing is that I knit it all back together. Yeah.
1: This is this is how you get the best quality, basically, because if you record over the internet, and although Skype is behaving itself extremely well today, um, if you record over the internet, it it, it can be a bit laggy. Uh, it, it, it's not always great quality, whereas recording our own versions... Of our own audio locally,
0: and then, as you say, knitting it together afterwards. It's the it's the way you get the best. It's infinitely better quality. And you know, when you when you go to listen podcasts and you hear some that sounds like a, re- a recording of a telephone call,
1: are the, the old biscuit tin trouble, isn't it? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Versus um, ones where it sounds like you're in the same room as as the people. That is the difference between recording both ends independently or just doing the recording through Skype or some call recording software. So Yeah uh, and we'd kinda and you know my background is in audio recording yeah. so I I I, I, w- I think we're both pretty set on no we want to do this to, to sound as good as possible, you know? Oh absolutely um, absolutely if we're gonna do yeah. it. So so yeah, so the recording takes two to th- two to three hours and then that's all edited down. Um the editing at the minute's taking about four hours per episode, but I'm, I'm trying to bring that down and be a bit, um, less anal about it. You know, I think it's one of those things where when you first start out, you do, you want to take out every single little um and ah, and don't get us wrong. There's editing that has to be done because there's, there's lag on the call due to the way Skype works. And that lag means that sometimes you talk over each other because you don't know when the other person's quite finished talking. Mm-hmm. And it's you—it's like that satellite delay thing. Yeah. And if that was left in, honestly, it would be painful for you to listen to. So I, I take all that lag out, and that that's the thing that takes the time. Every time we um, are, are chatting and we accidentally talk over each other because mm-hmm. of the lag... Um, and that we're always going to have to sort that. Yeah. Um,
1: and the huge benefit of recording separately like this, of course, is that, that we're on our own tracks, so yeah. we, you can time shift, you know, my speech to to coincide with yours, uh, or, or rather for us not to not to talk over each other. So um, that's the that's the big benefit of uh, of having us on separate uh, separate audio tracks.
0: Yeah, exactly. So once I've edited it all, um, I kind of master it and. Run it through some level maximizing software, mm-hmm. which just brings everything up. It's basically a glorified compressor, but um, there's various plugins that, that run to take out any background noise. You know, there's noise gates, there's compressors on the individual tracks, there's EQ. Yeah. I, there's, do
1: you know? I've 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 never asked, but what uh, what <laughs> what software do you use? To... Oh,
0: I I found a tip of this little piece of software called the Levelator. Oh right. And it's not it's completely unsupported, um, and it went out of being uh, updated or anything I think four years ago or something I don't know but it's it, it's out there on the internet and you can find it and it's called uh, the levelator you literally you drag and drop a WAV file on it and it just um, maximizes the volumes and yeah, okay. does a really good job of it you know that there, there will be better plugins out there that will probably do an even better job yeah but as it is um, this does a, a pretty awesome job of just kind of bringing everything up to the max levels, without it being too noticeable. Um, without
1: without blurring it, Huh? fantastic. And and so that's a plugin for what? Oh, it's a standalone piece of software. It's just a, a. Oh right, okay. So it's just a it's a something 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 somebody's written and thought it would be cool it's
0: to. A it's all, almost just an executable, and <laughs> you you run it. And it, a little thing pops up on your screen. You drag and drop the WAV file on it, and it outputs a new WAV file that's all fixed. And it's called uh, Levelator.
1: I bet it's PC only, isn't it? A, there's <laughs> a reasonable <laughs>
0: chance it's PC only, but uh, I, I wouldn't. I'm not sure. Yeah. And then, so ultimately, then I need to turn that into an MP3. Because it's the M- it's an MP3 that gets hosted, yeah. It's the MP3 that gets hosted, so that's then um, turned into the correct. MP3 format, um, and then given the correct file names and everything, and then that's what ultimately gets uploaded to the podcast hosting software. And the
1: and the, po- the podcast hosting software, other than keeping the files where they are, like a glorified Dropbox, what else do they do for us?
0: Because we, we pay for this and, you know, it's a... It's yeah, it, it's basically like YouTube, but for podcasts. It's, co- it's designed for streaming audio. It's a, a service... Um, basically you could put it onto your own web space if you wanted. If you've got a website, you could just upload it into a folder on your web space and link to that. But the likelihood is you'll quickly use up every bit of bandwidth that your package, your web hosting package allows for. Mm. Um, Because although podcasts use a fraction of the bandwidth of video, if you're getting a few thousand views a month, it still adds up. Yeah. And you don't want to get a situation where they just put a bandwidth cap on and no one can listen to your shows anymore. So you want to go, that's why you, you use a dedicated host. Um, there's lots of hosts out there. We uh, use Blueberry, um, but there's like Libsyn, uh, SoundCloud. There's a bunch of other ones.
1: SoundCloud are an odd one, aren't they? Because I know we've we, early on we got asked quite a lot why we're not on SoundCloud. They're like a separate hosting outfit in it with with normally what happens is we put our we put our podcast on blueberry or wherever it is and that then gets fed out to the various podcast players Whereas a soundcloud is a separate entity
0: ultimately the the podcast software produces an, an rss feed of, of the podcast and that's what your podcast app speaks to um so that rss feed contains like all the show notes um, the link to where the actual file is. And once your podcast app knows about that RSS feed, then it can play back the show. And this is why, and I'm talking to you, people listening on YouTube, you need to use a proper podcast app because the only reason we put it on YouTube is it's kind of a final last catch, last um, kind of last resort route for people who haven't got a podcast app yet. But if you've discovered us via YouTube, get yourself a proper podcast app to listen to your podcasts on. Uh, I, I use Pocket Casts, which is awesome. Yeah. What do you use? Uh,
1: I use Overcast, yeah. Overcast on, on uh, iOS. Also, the podcast app on, on iOS is, is pretty good. Uh, I use Pocket Cast as well when I had uh, Android. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's a whole host of, you know, many varied podcast apps out there. Uh, uh, which are you know very straightforward to use. You just sort of do a typically do a search, uh, and then either subscribe or just download. To we'd like you to subscribe, obviously, uh, or just download a, a, an individual, or even just stream individual shows um,
0: uh, as you choose. And, and once you're listening through a podcast app, a proper app, that then opens up the world of podcasting to you, because that, through that one app, you're going to be able to listen podcasts that are hosted on pretty much anything you know so you're going to be able to pick up podcasts that are on um, iTunes on um, uh, SoundCloud everything the all the normal places where the podcasts get hosted your Apple pick those up whereas if you listen to a podcast in SoundCloud you're only going to be able to listen podcasts hosted on SoundCloud on SoundCloud yeah SoundCloud can't be used as a client to listen our podcast because we're not hosted on soundcloud nope. um so if you're if, same goes with youtube if you if you listen to a podcast on youtube you're only going to be able to listen to podcasts who have bothered to upload themselves to to youtube it's not a good platform for listening podcasts really exactly. but we'll put it out there as a kind of um catch-all uh solution just for people who who haven't got into using apps yet but honestly get yourself a good podcasting uh, player on, on your iPhone or on your Android device or whatever. Yeah. And it will open up this giant world of, of podcasts and you will never look back. Um it's to the point that I paid I think 10 quid for my app um and I'm so happy with it because it gives yeah. synchronization back to the desktop. So I can literally I can be listening a podcast in the office on my computer. I can walk away from the computer and pick it up on my phone. It'll pick up from the same point. And I can just literally just walk into my truck and drive off. Yep. And it'll just automatically start playing. I don't have to touch anything. And the act of me switching the radio on in the truck picks up the podcast from where I was last listening to. And it just continues playing. And for me, that's worth 10 quid.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Uh, there are plenty of free ones as well, if you if you just want to dip a, dip a toe in the water to try it. Oh, there's loads of free ones most of the free ones there's loads of free ones that are, are really good you're just probably going to have to put up with adverts popping yep. up um that but if that doesn't bother you there's there's loads of free podcast apps you can you can use anyway so so yeah and the blueberry thing that we the hosting platform that we use you get a plugin for your website and then that basically allows you to just put a post on the website and then that automatically uploads the podcast and does all the back end stuff for you. So if you get a good kind of combination of plugins and apps like that, um it makes life so much easier later down the line because you've just got one button to click and everything's done. Yeah. Um so um and then obviously we have to do things like writing the show notes, finding affiliate links, mm. putting all that together. That probably takes a good 30 to 60 minutes per show between us I would have said putting all that yep. together um i then i I rent have to render a separate version for youtube that has a logo in the background and has a thumbnail and all that so that and and then that needs to get scheduled to go out at the same time as uh, the release so that takes about half an hour to put that together and and again all the
1: thumbnails and all the graphics they were done back at the very start yeah in advance so these are all available and we, we share these on a google drive um So that they're available to both of us and can be updated or changed as...
0: Yeah, Peter kindly put together everything for the whole season right at the beginning. That makes life so much easier because it means that I'm not having to pester him every two seconds. Oh, can you get the thumbnail? (laughs) Which is just as well. (laughs) Yeah, so everything was done right at the start. Part of that, when we're working out the 20-week schedule for the show, is also doing all that background work of putting together. Because you wouldn't believe how many different types of versions of the logo we'll have to have yeah for every every different platform different one for Twitter,
1: different one for Instagram, different one for Facebook uh, different ones for the website you know it's
0: all it's all different there must be 10 plus different versions of the of the logo just for all the different platforms that you've had to, to sort out so yeah so once that's all done, then the everything's uploaded on on the schedule um the upload takes half an hour or so to upload it to the internet, including the YouTube upload. Mm. And then on the day, so the the launch is kind of automated. In other words, w- once we've set it to upload, um, I say make it go live at this time on a Monday morning, and then that's kind of it. Can you still hear me?
1: Just about. You're breaking up a bit, actually. Getting a you've bit choppy. Gone.
0: Oh, Skype's died. Can you hear No, you've gone... Skype's died. You see, this is what gets edited out the show. I'm going to leave this in, though. <laughs> no, I can I'm only hearing. I'm only hearing the beginning of words at the minute. You're very laggy. Should we disconnect and reconnect? Oh, dear. It's completely died. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, hello, hello. Oh, I've got you.
1: Got audio, but no video, but that's okay. All oh, then. I've got video on your side.
0: All right, I've got you. Hold on. Let me just try that. Uh, can you see me now? Oh, yeah, gotcha. We're back in the room.
1: So <laughs> where were we up to? Sticking around with Skype, as always. you know.
0: <laughs> so this is what um, the Skype thing, you know, we can have calls drop out two or three times per episode easily, not not taking into account, like, lag and, and all that sort of thing. But, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so we upload on the schedule. Uh, everything goes live. And so by a Monday morning, and I still get... Th- squeaky bum time every time on a monday morning it's like has it gone live and that, and then <laughs> you know you check and it's everything seems to be fine yeah and then we have to do a little bit on social media just to get the message out there and, and you do the twitter stuff i do the instagram uh-huh. stuff yep and uh and and that's basically it we then just keep an eye on follow-up and to get back to messages yeah keeping on the Twitter and 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 uh, yeah all the other social things to and, see
1: what sort and of things and, and
0: the way to to get in touch is via Twitter and Instagram the comments on YouTube by the way um we do read all of them but we're not replying to comments on YouTube because we don't want to turn that into a, a thing another thing but, that we need to keep an eye on yeah yeah um because if if you want to leave a comment do it via Twitter or Instagram. Absolutely love fine to leave the comments on YouTube, but you'll not get a response because otherwise, it's kind of we don't. You end up in that situation where you respond to some people and not others, or yeah. do we commit ourselves to responding to every comment on there yeah. on on the platform that we don't want people to use because we'd rather use a proper podcasting app? Yeah. Um. So it it's kind of YouTube's there as a last resort. Please keep leaving the comments. It's lovely, but don't think that we're ignoring you. Well, we are ignoring you. We're, 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 but for all the right reasons. We're, we're reading the comments, but we're not replying because it just opens up a whole yeah. can of worms. Um, but we do generally reply on Twitter and, and Instagram. So, yeah. Um, and and then obviously keeping an eye on email and that side of things as well. So absolutely, that's it in a nutshell. And I've worked out that it takes about nine hours per episode. It's about nine hours of work um, per episode between us to get um, an episode out there. And that's why at the minute we can't really commit to doing weekly, because bearing in mind that um, effectively, you know, we're kind of just about covering the costs of the hosting, but we're nowhere near covering the cost of the time that we're losing out of our day jobs. No,
1: I mean just just a morning, every uh, a couple of mornings every month is a is a effectively a day's a day's money lost. Yeah, so easily. Yeah, and again, we're not, you know, we're not we're not complaining about this. We're not asking you to feel sorry for us. No, you know, th- this is just a a reality. It's something we want to do, uh, but the the reality is there are there are costs attached to this. Yeah. Um,
0: and if we ever get to the point where. I don't know the sponsors or Patreon takes off to the point that um, we can't afford to take effectively another full day off work to to do a weekly show. Then absolutely, I think we would both love to do that. Yeah, but at the minute we'll have to also kind of keep a bit of a reality check on it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as much as we
1: love doing it, you know, it, the the
0: what I, I think and it applies probably for both of us. What we wouldn't want to do is commit to weekly and then find out after seven shows, it's like, this is absolutely impossible, we're just going to have to can the whole thing. Yeah. Whereas if we can just keep it taking over every two weeks, I think, for now, that's working pretty well, and we'll we'll see where it goes. We'll, yeah. we'll see where it goes. I
1: think so, I think so. I've had a couple of people say on Twitter, oh, when's, when's the next one out? Is it, you yeah. know... It's like they're missing them, you know. It's kind of yeah. <laughs> looking forward to the next episode kind of thing. Which, which is, is nice.
0: awesome. Which is awesome. And one of the problems that we've got in terms of sponsorship is that in the UK, nobody's heard of podcasts. Mm. And we've spoken to manufacturers and they've literally said, what's a podcast? Yeah. So... Um, trying to, and then you having to try and explain the whole business model of podcasts and and stuff to people who have never listened to podcast.
1: The idea of a sponsor read and that sort of thing is is completely alien to them. It is. It's it's, it's interesting. It's fascinating. Um, kind of, you know, you feel like you're. <laughs> it's part of our job is to educate <laughs> social media experts. And, uh,
0: yeah, um, I, had a, I had a manufacturer the other day saying, "Could we do an entire episode just dedicated to their product?" And it's like. That's not, not really, really how, how it works. Podcasts yeah. Work. <laughs> um, so, but it's purely because these, you know, we're, we're at our, it, the infancy of this in in the UK at the minute. I think, but it it's uh, it's not complicated, but there's a lot of individual little steps that you've got to get right, um, and there's there's a lot of good information out there, but not a lot of stuff that kind of it'll it's different on every platform like for example if if we were hosting on libsyn instead of blueberry um the processes would be slightly different and and it's all a bit of a learning curve for the particular route that you've decided to go down because there's no single guide that covers you for making a podcast no matter what host you've chosen you know if if you choose soundcloud that's another different process for getting your podcast out there. But everything I've read about SoundCloud is that the platform itself is struggling a little bit. I don't know if it still is, but there were certainly rumours that, that SoundCloud is a, a struggling platform. And at the end of the day, it was never designed to be a podcasting platform. It was always kind of a, a upload your music and let people listen to your music platform. Um, and they've kind of branched out into the, the podcast arena. Um, but you know, the SoundCloud might be around for years and years and years, and they might sort things out. But um, yeah, uh, that, that's a whole another episode.
1: Yeah, uh, on its own. So when we first started doing our Patreon um, for for the podcast, uh, we set some goals, didn't we? We we you know we get X many, we get a, a we go weekly, we get this many, we do a second season. Uh, and you suggested, I think, Andy, uh, if we had 20 Patreon supporters, we'd do a second season. And if we get to 200, we'll go weekly. And I thought that was a bit low. I thought we, we ought to be aiming a bit higher than that. I said we ought to go for 50 and 500. And it turns out you, you were way closer to the mark than I was.
0: <laughs> well, we've, we've, <laughs> we've hit 20, 27 patrons, got, which is not a bad start. Which is,
1: which is good. It's a good start. Um, but I think I think we'll go with... Your original estimates for doing a second season, rather than that, because you know, obviously, we do, uh, we do enjoy it, and we will do, uh, uh, we will do a second, uh, uh, a second season of this.
0: Yeah, and thank you so much to those twenty-seven folk who are literally keeping the lights on on this show. Um, that is the only source of income we've got to pay for what we're doing here. Is is Patreon, and you are you are literally keeping the lights on. So thank you so much to ev- every one of you and uh yeah we will be doing a season 2 and at the minute we're provisionally saying uh monday the 11th of september will be the um episode 11 so the first one of of season 2 and uh, but keep an eye on our twitter and instagram just in case that changes yeah i mean uh, early
1: september provisionally with, uh, with the idea of uh, the 11th Um, But, you know, subject to change depending on schedules and all the rest of it. But that's that's the plan. Um, So, yeah, look forward to that. So we're taking the summer off, which would be nice. Yeah. Uh,
0: Oh, and we're adding in a new $3 reward tier on Patreon. And anyone who um, is on $3 or above will get a shout-out in the show. Until we change our minds,
1: yeah. Name name check to anybody giving us uh, three bucks a month or more.
0: Yeah, three dollars a month, and you'll get a, a quick shout out at the end of the show, and you'll get your name in the uh, show notes as well. Absolutely, uh, unless you choose not to, of course.
1: Not not everybody wants to be recognised in that way. Uh, we would totally respect that. I've got have got a couple of uh, a couple of Patreon supporters on the YouTube channel who've, who've chosen not to. Uh, not to have their name in lights at the end of uh, end of the video, so that, that's absolutely yeah, fine. But
0: it's just a little thank you for for coming in at that tier, really at, at, at that level. It's just fantastic, and uh, that will start from episode eleven onwards. So, one thing that I think would be quite a nice uh, way to round off season one is for each of us to give a little tip. If uh, if if you've got an idea of a golden tip for the end of season. Okay. for For anything, it can be life-related, business, joinery, you know, anything you want. This one works for everything, okay? Clean up after yourself. It's a good tip.
1: Okay, that goes for <laughs> life, relationships, uh, business, Joinery, working in someone's house, whatever it is, clean up after yourself. Don't leave your mess for other people to deal with. Sometimes when I'm in a customer's house, and I hadn't had yesterday actually, I was got around to doing these fitting these little kitchen doors and things, uh, and the, the woman said, "Oh, uh, cleaners coming tomorrow. Don't worry about the mess." I said, "Well, you know, the cleaners not here to clean up after me. They're coming to clean up after you." They're cleaning your house, you know. They're they're not they're not my cleaners. They're yours. So I'll I'll tidy up my mess, get that out of the way, uh, 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 and it's an easy, simple thing to do. Sometimes it's harder <clears throat> at the end of a long working day to actually get your Hoover out and tidy up properly. But it's worth doing because it's those things, those little things, that really make the difference. Those things make you memorable, uh, in my experience, anyway.
0: I think that's a great tip, and I completely, 100% agree. Um, I've had customers who have even said, oh, just leave it. I'll do it later. I'm in, I'm in all yeah. day. I'll do it. And that's like, no, don't worry. I'm quite happy just getting the Hoover out and cleaning up after myself. And it's just part of the job. Apart from anything else, I normally take pictures of the finished job, and I don't want pictures of the finished job with all the rubbish.
1: Exactly, and you don't want all the rubbish in
0: there, yeah. It's part of the whole pride in your work thing, isn't it, and... No, totally, 100% agree. What about you? What you got? My uh, tip would be always have an exit plan. Okay. And this was a tip given to me um, or oh, probably about 15 years ago by a, a good friend, and it was back in early days of uh, another business I had set up, mm-hmm. and it was just a little thing. It was just a completely... Uh, innocuous comment that he kind of dropped in over over a pint yeah and to be honest i didn't really give it much thought and i didn't really know what he was talking about and he just said andy just what you're doing is great always have an exit plan And i was like okay okay and it just always kind of stuck in my head at the point where you need to have an exit plan you'll remember that and you'll think I wish I had an exit plan <laughs> yeah. um, and just all it takes, say for example, you set up a joinery business and it turns into a joinery company and you end up employing staff. And eventually at some point you get to the point where you might not want to do that anymore. Like you want to retire or you want to do start something else. Yeah. How, how are you going to do that? How are you going to get out of that business? And it doesn't have to be a detailed plan. It can literally be an idea in your head. It can be something that you scribble down on um, a, a post-it note. But just how would you get out of that business? Now you can develop an exit plan to to the nth degree and turn it into a full, you know, <laughs> how how are you going to sell shares in the company? You know, you know, you can you can develop it to and big corporations do this, um, and uh, corporations of all size. Uh, do this and do have exit plans as part of their formal business strategy. Mm. Um, But it doesn't need to be anything like that. But just give it some thought. What happens next? And how do you draw a line under the thing that you're doing at the minute, if you want to? And your exit plan might be, I'm never going to have an exit plan. And that's, that's fine. For example, I don't have a particular exit plan for YouTube. But... I could formulate something in my head fairly quickly, you know. You could. You we could easily, if we wanted to, and I don't want to do this, but we could sell our channels to manufacturers. Yeah, there you go. That it it would have an instant following. It would probably die very quickly because people follow us to um, because of our charming personalities, of course. Yeah, uh, because of, because of yeah, because people love us. But but people follow us because we've got a rapport and and a bit of a a relationship with the audience, you know. Anyway, the whole point of the exit plan thing is, you know, don't overthink it, but do give it some thought as to how one day you can get out of that thing that you're doing in in a sensible way that's going to potentially give you some payoff, you know, um, for the thing that you've built up. If you've built up um, a company that has happy customers and repeat customers and a reputation that's worth something, you know, that's worth a potentially a lot of money and yeah. you need to have a plan of how one day you're going to get your money back for that and how you're going to get out of it. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Excellent. So, um, follow up. We've got a note here from Mike Chapman who dropped us a quick email to contact at measuringuppodcast.com. Splendid. To say that he was out on his bike listening to the show and he was listening it on the bank of the River X in Devon. Beautiful part of the world. Nice. And uh, he was just having a little breather while listening to the podcast, while having a little little cycle around. Lovely. And uh, awesome stuff. Thanks for that, Mike. Keep your notes coming in of where you're listening to the show. Have you got anything on your side? Uh, we had a note from... I'm just, I'm just looking,
1: actually, sorry. Give <laughs> me one second. Yeah, we've got a, 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 a tweet from Mark Hanna. He says, loving the discussion on books. Uh, I wonder if you guys remembered a magazine series from the 1980s called The Knack. He says, browsing my dad's collection of these as a kid sparked my interest in all things DIY and making. Um, it, it rings a bell, actually. Uh, it, was a, it was one of these part works, so you you get the magazine every week or every month or whatever, and it built up a, a reference book of uh, of you know DIY how to manual kind of thing. Uh, it's actually published by Marshall Cavendish, and I used to do a bit of work for Marshall Cav when I was a photographer in the eighties. Um, so I never actually worked for that magazine title, but I'd, I'd done some work for other uh, other titles. Uh, within the within the company
0: i used to get a marshall cavendish publication called input right is that a, uh, an audio it one a, by any chance no it was a geeky oh, really? computer uh, programming one oh, right. i, I okay. was quite into like just um mucking about on computers when i was little and it was just this uh, similar kind of thing and uh you'd spent just typing in hundreds and hundreds of lines of code and then it, it, it wouldn't work or it would draw a box on the screen or something like that. But right, yeah, that, yeah, I'm sure that was Marshall Cavendish. I remember that back in the day.
1: Yeah. Happy times. <laughs> yeah. Um, we had a question as well. We, I know you gave a shout out on Twitter uh, before we would recorded the last show. We had a question come in a bit, little bit late from friend of the show, Keith Brown, Ragamon Brown. He said, uh, if you could only ever use one grade of sandpaper, what would it be? Which is an interesting one. I'm going about this for a while because it, it's such a hard thing to do because you've got to have one grit to go from through everything. But I, I went for a P80, um, 80, 80 grit, because if you use that for a week, it'll effectively become a P120. And you use it for, for another week, you get a P180. <laughs> and it gets sort of gradually less effective um, as you get it. I was tempted to start with a 120, but that, there are some times when you need an 80 just to power through stuff. Um but that would, that was there. Yeah, I would I would start with an eighty. P eighty granite, uh and go from there.
0: I I would I would completely agree. I think uh, 80 grits are underrated and you've got people battling away with one twenties and stuff, and it's like Yeah, unless you're doing actual kind of fine furniture production and um stuff where you're putting a finish on where you would potentially notice well really if you're wanting to get into the grades that are almost going to put a polished finish on on the surface you know um which obviously you can get if you're you're really working up the grades Mm.
1: one of the interesting things about having done some spraying is that one of the things you have to do your, your finishing has to be that much better uh you know a certain amount of roller rash would cover little discrepancies in your joinery before uh Uh, And what what I've found myself doing is even the stuff that I send out that goes out to be sprayed, I made a little tray and a side table for somebody. Uh, I'm tending to finish those to a better standard now, whereas before I always thought I was sort of doing them a favour by doing what I did, but actually it wasn't really very good. Uh, Certainly not good enough for a a sprayed finish. So I'm finishing to a higher standard. I'm going down to P320, P500 now.
0: On MDF? Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. Really cool. And yeah. do you so would you notice the difference between that and a and a P eighty then? Or on a on yeah, a sprayed oh God, finish? Yeah. Right? Goodness, yeah. Yes. So does that yeah. mean by doing a sprayed finish the sanding takes much longer then? Uh
1: yeah, it does actually. It does does take longer.
0: We'll end on that though. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm just winding you up. So, any shout-outs? What have you been listening to? Uh, I haven't been doing much
1: of anything, to be honest. I've had my head full of um, catching up. I've got a load of videos to come through. Uh, and again, this is a huge mistake of mine. have uh, ended up having two series running at the same time uh, on the same sort of job. So I'm trying to kind of combine those at one point. As I say, I'll finish the spraying one soon. And then I've got some other bits to do on the uh, on the... On the the big job job. So I haven't had a huge t- amount of time to look at anything else. But one thing that did come up again, Keith Brown, friend of the show, and Bone Brown, I don't know if you've seen this, but he's got a a, a no-lathe bowl challenge out at the minute. Yes, I'm I'm doing it. Uh, are you doing it? I am. It, it comes up a really bad time because I'm going to be, you know, not in the workshop very much over the next few weeks. But I'm I'm definitely coming up with something for it, yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna go for it. I mean, mine will be awful because I haven't got any tools for doing that sort of thing. But um, I, I'm gonna. I have got a little piece of Spanish chestnut sitting around that should be perfect for it. Mm. So I'm gonna uh, give it a bash. But I think that would be quite a fun thing. Fun. Nice. Um, yeah, he was saying he's got potentially. I'll not drop any names, but he's got some potentially quite big names. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, involved, but I'm, I'll not say who. Just watch. Uh, keith's channel rag and bone brown awesome channel yeah great um i've been chatting to him actually because last week i put out a video about biscuit jointer tips which is a whole topic that we need to talk about at some point
1: uh, it'll be a monologue because i've never owned one i'm afraid but yeah and you never had one Interesting. <laughs> I, had, I, I tell a lie I, I had one back before i was doing this for a living so you've always been domino then Never really use it yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. I mean, just to put the record straight, because it started blowing up some of the comments on. It <laughs> it got very Domino versus biscuit jointer in the comments. Oh dear, really? Um, nothing kind of nasty, but it it some of the comments got quite heated, and um, I just kind of left them to it, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, you know, I would love a Domino, but. I don't buy tools unless a job's going to pay for it. And I haven't had a job that I can't do with a biscuit jointer. But as soon as a job comes up where I can only do it with a domino, and if that job will pay for it, I will buy a domino. Simple as that. Mm. Um If I hadn't already bought a biscuit jointer, I would probably go straight to a domino. Yeah. Um, probably. But that's a whole topic. But, uh yeah, I have no... Allegiance to Dominoes or biscuits. It's just I happened to have bought a biscuit jointer several years ago, and that's what I mainly use.
1: Well, interestingly, you see, I I bought the Domino. I got one when they first came out for exactly that reason. I had a job that would pay for it. Uh, And uh, if I didn't have a Domino now, I would probably be looking at the Lamello biscuit jointer that does the the fancy fixings.
0: Yeah, interesting. uh, How much is the lamella? Oh, it's about f- 1,500 quid. Ooh, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe I should just bypass the domino and go straight for that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. No, maybe not. <laughs> Job done. So what was it? Yeah, so I did this tips video about biscuit jointers, and uh, because I'd put a video out there about biscuit jointer tips, YouTube threw up a video into my recommended watching, and I didn't realise that Keith had done a video where he'd Done quite a detailed test, uh, strength test on biscuit joints, and he actually proved that biscuit joints were weaker than having no biscuit whatsoever. Oh right. Um, now he, in the tests that he did, and it was a really thorough mm. test. We'll we'll link to it in the show notes. Great, really interesting one. And he was doing kind of butt end to end joints, and in almost every case, the joint was stronger with no biscuit
1: fascinating
0: fascinating watch the video honestly and it would be really interesting to see a similar test done with with dominoes the dominoes yeah um what i want to do at some point is uh, because he was doing end to end so edge grain to edge grain right what i'd like to because i don't very uh, i don't very often do edge to edge it's normally edge to face mm. where i'll be using the biscuit for like alignment of shelves or okay. cabinet yeah. edges and stuff like that um so I I'd probably like to put together uh, 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 an edge to face grain test at some point. Um, I think regardless are very very handy for getting the alignment. Yes. Um, um, more than anything else, but it's very interesting that it, if if they offer zero benefit strength wise, yeah, even even on edge to face grain, then. That opens up a whole can of worms. Yeah. <laughs> it's fascinating. Like, um, but, yeah, very interesting uh, test that he put out there. But just randomly, he put he did that video a year ago, and, you know, we were talking about YouTube randomness the other day. Yeah. That's the first time I've seen it pop up, and it's because Amazing. I happened to make a video, or ha- I happened to watch my own video about yep. my uh, uh, biscuit jointer, so it's thrown up his into my into my feed and that's how I found out about it. So YouTube's so random. It is. It is. Uh, We work so hard trying to, (laughs) trying to organize and, Oh, you've gone again. You've gone. Skype's died.
1: No, (laughs) it throws up the most random, bizarre stuff. You're back. Hello. So yeah, YouTube, yeah, we work so hard to try and sort of get the right stuff into our channel and try and, you know, organize it. And yet uh, YouTube, just completely randomly throws this stuff around it is
0: the the ai of youtube is unfathomable unfathomable but uh, on that note it's been a pleasure everyone season 1 done and dusted it has it's been uh, it's been
1: uh, an absolute joy it's been a tremendous learning curve certainly for me uh and uh, absolutely fascinating uh, great
0: talking to you it's been great. Oh, sorry, I missed out my pick of the week. My um, oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the channel that I've been watching this week is a guy called Sean Tucker. I don't know if you're familiar with him as a he's a photographer. No, don't know. And it actually, it all came about um, off the back of this whole need to be churning videos out on on YouTube, um, which um, YouTube it's very kind of self-pressuring to put out a lot of content because Mm. if you don't your channel quickly kind of gets dropped like a brick by youtube and you have to kind of build up that following again and uh i found out i can't remember how i found out about his channel but he only puts out a video about once a month and he has got uh, something like 130,000 subscribers and he's doing very well by putting out just one video a month, but they're beautifully shot, really, really nice videos. And it puts a very different slant on things. I'm not saying I'm going to switch to monthly videos instead of one or two a week, but I think his channel, um, is a case in point that you Maybe don't have to put out as much content to do well mm. on YouTube.
1: They just they just
0: have to be four times
1: as good if you only do one monthly. Ju-
0: I mean, his videos are stunning, you know. And but it, uh, but it's a very interesting. I'll have a look. Don't don't never heard of him. So Sean Tucker, and um, he goes into a lot of stuff that he kind of says like it, it. For someone who understands Photoshop. I, I, you know, I'm a very uh, I know the basics of Photoshop to mm. make thumbnails and stuff like that, and I know what I need it to do. But in terms of like image retouching and lighting and right, um, color correction and all that side of things, but uh, he he goes into that um, arena and and a load of other photography related stuff and just really really good channel. Whether or not you're into photography or making videos, I would highly recommend uh, uh, excellent. checking it out. Excellent. I'll take a look. So, how do people find you,
1: Peter? How do People find me uh, on Instagram at Ten Minute Workshop. They find me on Twitter at Ten Minute Shop, uh, or on YouTube Ten minuteworkshoptv uh, What about yourself, Andy?
0: Um, and I am Gosforth Andy on Twitter, Gosforth Handyman on Instagram, and Gosforth Handyman on YouTube. So please do subscribe and follow both of our channels and share the podcast joy around and we'll we'll push this to be the biggest joinery podcast in the world i think we're safe to say we're probably the biggest one in the uk but i think we're probably the only one in the uk
1: quite possibly yeah so yeah the
0: biggest of one in in terms of a commercial joinery podcast uh, i think and maybe people know of other commercial joinery podcasts in the UK, and please do tell us. Absolutely. We're, we're
1: taking the summer off from the uh, podcast before Season 2, but we will still be monitoring all the usual communication channels. Uh, Twitter is almost certainly one of the best ways. Twitter or Instagram, some of the best ways to uh, to reach out to us. Uh, but you can also email us, contact at com.
0: Absolutely. MeasuringUpPC on Twitter. Thank you, yes. Um, and MeasuringUpPodcast on Instagram, so please do get in touch on there and it would be lovely to keep in touch with you all over this little break that we're having and we'll we'll see you in september absolutely and we're going to finish this one really randomly like we did on episode one probably there's nothing that we've forgotten to mention is there i don't think so